0: Amen. We started this series uh, called It's Not What You Think. Everybody say that with me. It's not what you think. There's all kinds of fun uh, pictures online that look like something and then you realize that's not what it is. This is one of my favorite from the last week that I saw. Uh, how about that for a muffin right there, huh? Would you feel a little queasy maybe putting that mouse muffin in your face? I don't know. Maybe you would. Does everybody see the mouse? I see the mouse. Do you see the mouse? Yeah, there's tons of these online. There's actually a, a, a super technical scientific word that I can't pronounce for it, but it's it's a common experience in, in, in human existence to see something and at an initial glance think this is what this is, but then upon further notice or further you know, uh, you know know scrutiny to understand, nah, that's something completely different. As a kid, I used to lay on my back and just look at the clouds, and in my head I would make up what those cloud shapes were making. Anybody still do that? It's fun. If you're bored, it's there, right? Usually clouds, Right. But, but we have this ability as, as people to mistakenly identify things. And, and Jesus has gotten to a part in the Sermon on the Mount where he's going to address this phenomenon, particularly as it pertains to humans, these specific humans being the, the nation of Israel, uh, the religion of Judaism, uh, misconstruing who God is and what God requires of them. See, the system for... Hundreds of years has been. Uh, Follow the rules. Those rules had been clearly uh, delineated by the rabbis that had taught these uh, Jewish followers uh, who God was and what he wanted. Uh, They had committed themselves to becoming like the Pharisees. These Pharisees were like the Jewish all-stars. They were like the very best of the best of the best at keeping the rules. They were esteemed and and, uh, applauded and and, and people aspired to be like them. But we finished last week with Jesus saying this to everybody that he was preaching to here in the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 20, chapter 5, he says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Everybody put your hand to your head and go mind blown everybody in attendance was like what did you just say that is not what we thought jesus will go on in his teaching and over and over again take these jewish all-stars the pharisees and the scribes to task he will at every turn uh uh, tell those who are listening: Don't be like these guys. In Matthew 27 or 23, excuse me, uh, verse 27, he says this: "Woe to you, you scribes and Pharisees! You guys are hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs." This is a, a great uh, word picture. Jesus was probably even near a cemetery as he's pointing. He's, he's outside the streets of Jeru- outside the walls of Jerusalem. There's just scads of cemeteries all around Jerusalem. Because, just so you know, the Jews, and even now the Muslims, they feel like this is going to be where the world ends, and so it's really, you know, a high society to have your carcass buried where the world's going to end, because you're going to be the first ones to go. Isn't that cool? That's their idea. Anyway, there's all these cemeteries, and Jesus points to one of them, and he says, you see that? See that big sepulcher, that big tomb over there? See how nicely the outside is painted? Looks so good, right? But on the inside, I'll tell you what's in there, dead stuff. And he says to the Pharisees, that's you guys. You're that hoopty that the owner has kept, you know, pristine on the outside, but the engine doesn't work. You're that, you're that uh, religious, uh, righteous, in your own eyes, person who has absolutely no relationship with the one true God. You are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. Huh. You see, the Pharisees had long held to this belief that the letter of the law was more important than the love for the lawgiver. But here's the deal. If you just live by the letter of the law and have no love for the lawgiver, you're going to end up living what I call the just enough life. Lots of Christians do this lots of Christians you know uh, become early adopters they they come to Christ early in life but they never really develop their relationship with Christ they just settle for the religion of Christianity and so they want to learn the rules and they want to keep the rules and they have convinced themselves that if they do so I'm a good Christian now don't hear me say that you shouldn't keep the rules you should in fact one of the signs of our love for Jesus is obedience But obedience is not the only thing that a Christian should aspire to. In fact, our obedience should always come from a heart that is full of love for our God. You know what the just enough life is, right? We all grew up as kids in our family's homes. Um, How many of you as kids would do the absolute least that your parents required of you? Anybody there? I was there, my kids were there. I remember uh, my son Cooper, I was uh, reading through some old sermons this week. I told this story back 10 years ago when he was younger. Uh, But Cooper loves, to this day, video games. There was a requirement in our house on Saturday morning. If you wanted to do anything, video games or go hang out with friends or anything like that, your room had to be clean. The inspection would be given. So he got up that morning and apparently he forgot where he was and who he was. He just started right in with the video games. And so his mom and dad made it very clear, "Uh, uh, uh." clean that room. He's already had the taste of Smash Brothers or whatever it was, right? And so he's eager to get back. He's pushed pause on his game. He runs to his room. He's done in five minutes. (laughs) Room's clean. Runs back upstairs to get on the video game. I catch him as he's turning the corner for the staircase, and I'm like, let's go look. And uh, his shoulders already droop. He knows. This isn't going to be good at all. So we go into his room, and sure enough, where all the junk was on his floor just minutes before, no more junk. I'm like, that's a miracle. How did you do that? But then as a seasoned parent, I knew where to look. I opened his closet and stacked up about five feet high was all the garbage that was on his floor. I looked under his, his uh, bed, and whatever he couldn't fit in the closet, he had kicked under his bed. Is that clean in your house? No, that's, a, that's not clean in my house either. I said, hey, bro, your clothes need to be folded and put away. Hey, bro, all that stuff that you just jammed in there, it's got a place too. Why don't we do this right this time? Or how about we don't do video games for the next year? I was just kidding. Anyway, uh, he figured it out. But what he was doing was what a lot of us as Christians do, just enough, just enough, Lord. I'll show up on Sunday. You know, he just talked about the fall festival thing. Maybe I'll do that, but if I do that, I get a couple freebies over here. I'll do just enough. To feel good about myself and my relationship with you. Does that work in relationships? If you don't know, let me inform you. Welcome to the human race. That will not work in relationships. In a marriage, in a friendship, in a job relationship. Just enough will not cut it. And so God wants more than enough. You know how you live the more than enough life? We sing that song around here. The more than enough life comes first from a love for the lawgiver. That's our God. And then a commitment, not just to the letter of the law, but to the spirit of law. Everybody guess the difference? There's, there's these written word, letter of the law, laws, that we can say, okay, as long as I do that, as long as I don't, you know, do anything that uh, is, you know, um, related to that, then everything else is free game. That's not what the laws were given to us for. They were kind of set out as principles that were meant to follow. And we need to dig deep, drill down into what those things are so that we can live out the principle, the spirit of that law in love for our God as an act of service and, 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 a, and a means by giving him the honor that he deserves. That's the, that's the life that we're meant to live. That's the more than enough life. Every, has anybody ever been around someone who's a more than enough person They go the extra mile? If you've had that employee, you love that employee. You, you promote that employee if you're a boss. Because he's, he's showing you that he cares about your company. He cares about your division. He cares about his work enough that he will go beyond what he is required to do and do even more. These same kids of mine who are great adults, but uh, uh, as, as young kids would go to missions trips uh, that were run here by our church. And they'd get, you know, around their other Christian friends, and, and in this, you know, faraway environment, uh, and they wouldn't have the distractions that they have here at home. And all of a sudden, they'd become these, like, you know, clean mavens. They'd they'd uh, they'd have their duties, uh, but they'd they they do these things that weren't required of them. And at night, those groups would get together, and they would hand out these beads of congratulation. These these uh, these, you know. Uh, um, uh, Uh, praises, uh, you know, that that, that people kind of put on strings and wore as necklaces and 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 one of the beads was the above and beyond bead. And kids would get these above and beyond beads because people would catch them going beyond what was required of them. You know what, if I had a bead to give everybody this morning, my hope was or is that we would be able to say to everybody here, thank you for going above and beyond in your obedience to God. Don't just be a just-enough follower of Jesus. Be a more than enough lover of the lawgiver and seek to honor him in those ways. Seek to go even beyond, you know, what you are now. Because here's the deal. I preach to myself first every time we get together. Everybody knows that, right? God's just preaching to me all week when I'm preparing for you guys. And then I get to preach to all y'all here and online. Hi, everybody. Uh, but as, as we kind of go through this, I kind of see people uh, not checking out, but, you know, sitting there and being like, hey, I got this one. I'm a above and Beyond guy. I'm a more than enough Christian. I'm doing pretty well. And praise God, that's probably true of a lot of people sitting here. Way to go. But do you think you're done? Do you think you've nailed this thing? Like you don't need any sermons anymore. You're just here to elbow the person next to you, right? Well, here's what I want to share with you today. Every one of us has greater expressions of love to show our God. Every one of us has deeper and more meaningful ways that we might serve Him. Every one of us have pockets of our lives, we talked about them last week, right? Where we are not yielded, we are not rendered to Him. And so I want you to ask yourself, as David, as I'm going to quote here in just a second, did in Psalm 139. It's this beautiful psalm. David opens it with just his amazement over a God who who knows his innermost thoughts, who who has, sees him wherever he goes. He can go up to heaven. He can go down to Sheol. He's there. He, he's this God who knitted him together in his mother's womb. He made me. And, and he, he says, I, I, he's just so impressed with God. He just worships God. He can, you can almost see him pressing harder with his pen as he writes. He just He's just in awe of this God who loves him, and he loves him back. You know how it finishes? I quoted this last week. This is how David finishes that psalm. After expressing all of his love and wonder over God, he says, Search me, O God. He says, Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous or wicked way in me. And if there is, lead me out of it. And into a deeper, more meaningful love and service to you. Lead me in the way that's everlasting. It's a courageous question to pray to God. Would you show me what's wrong? Would you lead me into what's right? That's what Jesus is going to do in this sermon. We're back (laughs) to Matthew 5. He's going to basically say to a bunch of people who are listening to him, Hey man, it's not what you think. It's not what you've been convinced uh, is true. It's, it's different. He's not here to abolish the law. He's just here to f- fulfill it. We learned that last week. And so he's going to give us six specific examples of where they as um, those pursuing God have gotten things wrong. He's going to start each one of them with uh, this phrase, you have heard that it was said. And then he's going to say what the law is that they've all been keeping. Then he's going to say, but I say to you. it's a It's a statement that would be made by someone in authority. This is what you thought, but here's how it really is. We're going to start today as he talks about murder. Look at Matthew 5:21. You have heard it said that those of all those of, uh, to those of old, you shall not what? And whoever murders will be liable to the judgment. Anybody heard of the Ten Commandments? Anybody know which one this is? It's number six. It's in the ten it's kind of self-evident anybody here disagree that we shouldn't go around killing each other everybody with me on that can we move on yeah in numbers chapter 35 this uh, law is issued again it's it's issued with its consequences if someone else is uh you know caught in in murder then they themselves should pay with their lives this is not new it's a well-established understood um, held to standard of the Jewish law of the, of the Scriptures. But here's what the Pharisees had done. And what you're going to see is, is, is what they've done with all these is a letter of the law. So the, they basically lower the bar to, I can do anything else I want as long as I don't kill the person. That's kind of their thinking. Anybody ever use that as an excuse when they're being a jerk? Well, it's not like I'm killing anyone. you ever use that one? Maybe you haven't. But we have these like, these are the really bad things. And as long as I don't do those things, eh, these are okay. And Jesus is going to help them understand. Now, that's the letter of the law, but let me inform you as to the spirit of the law. He raises the bar when he says this in verse 22. He says, I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable, hang on, to hell. What he just did is he equated angry outbursts, anger in the form of words, to the actual act of murder itself. He says, you've heard it said you shall not murder and whoever does is going to be taken before the courts and tried and receive the conviction that they deserve, the the punishment that they deserve. But I say to you, if you're angry, if you have unrighteous anger, unrighteous anger is as bad as actual murder. Now, I just said those words and some of you are thinking, yeah, but not really. And Jesus is saying, yeah, but really. And this is what we have to war against in ourselves, is doing like the Pharisees did. I'll just keep these really big ones over here, make sure I don't, you know, uh, disobey those. But then everything else, free game. God wants control of our insides. He wants control of our hearts. He wants us to never give in to unrighteous anger. I said unrighteous anger there because there's a such thing as righteous anger. You agree with me? Uh, righteous anger, just for those you know taking notes, I would define it as this: you could be angry at anything that dishonors or defies God. You could be angry at those choices, at those um, you know patterns in life. Uh, you could be angry at uh, you know those who uh, promote those choices uh, and, and their actions in, in those cases. But you know what you can't do? You can't be so angry at those people that you hate them. You can't be so angry with any one person that you lose the love that God has intended for you to love that person with. And so, if it goes from this righteous form of anger, uh, where you're, you know, defending as Jesus did when he cleansed the temple, as Jesus did when he, um, you know, basically sassed the Pharisees. Now, let's, let's all be fair about this. Jesus is the Son of God. He's perfect. You and me? We ever heard this stuff we'll get to it in a little bit but the speck in your eye stuff and the plank in your eye stuff we need to slow our rolls right settle down uh, we could be angry with Jesus over the the, the evil and the in and the, and the wrong and the unrighteousness of the world but we need to be careful when we put ourselves in his position as cleansers and as uh, yeah we're just not him he's the rightful judge That's why it says in Ephesians 4, uh, verses 26 and 27, be angry, so anger's going to happen, but then what's it say? Don't sin. Have righteous anger, but don't let it slide into unrighteous anger. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give an opportunity to the devil, which is how anger (laughs) kind of opens the door. We see anger early in the story of the scriptures, right? Sin happens in chapter 3 of Genesis. Anger happens in chapter 4. Uh, Anger in in the story of Cain and Abel, both giving sacrifices. One is rejected by God. The other is accepted. Uh, Cain, the the unaccepted, is jealous first. His jealousy quickly turns to rage and anger. And his rage and anger turns to what? Oh, now we're getting close to this passage, right? God comes to Cain in his anger and he says, hey, man. You've seen your brother, and Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? Angrily. And then God warns Cain. He says, hey, bro, sin is crouching at your door. This is about to go off. you got to be careful with how you're feeling. But Cain disregards his heavenly father, and the first murder, the first fratricide, occurs in existence. Why is anger as bad as actual murder? Because... It's usually the first step in actual murder. It's complicit in the run. Does everybody get that? Most people just don't go out there and, you know, pell-mell, you know, just do whatever. Uh, those people are called serial killers. They got a screw loose in the head. There's, that's a different kind of evil. But most murders occur when people are dissed, you know, dis- disrespected. Uh, they 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 lose a, a a a girlfriend or a bride to another man. They 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 you know get taken advantage of at work, and then they go home and they stew in their anger until their anger makes them crazy with rage, and then in rage they do something that we call murder. But it's not just that anger is in this run or this string that actually becomes physical murder. It's that anger is murder in and of itself on an emotional level, on a relational level. Do you believe that? Anybody ever had a relationship end because either you or they or you and they got angry at each other? Anger is this hurdle that's almost impossible to uh, overcome except by the grace of God and, and the love and the forgiveness that he can give. Anger destroys relationships and it destroys the person who's angry. Anybody living with that guy? Don't point. Now, there are people. And it's, can we just pull back from the sermon for a second? I'm sensing this more in the culture that we're living in. Just an angry world right now in a lots of ways, right? And we've had lots of things to get angry over, don't get me wrong. It's been jarring, you know, with the pandemic and with elections, with all these things. But you know what God is telling all of us this morning as we study this passage that was written a couple thousand years ago, it still holds to be true, is that we've got to constantly be running a check to make sure that anger isn't ruling and ruining us. Does everybody understand that? The body of Christ, the people of God, are meant to exude His love, mercy, and grace. Certainly be angry with the unrighteousness that exists in the world. But never be so angry that you're angry with the people who perpetrate the unrighteousness to the point where you would be full of rage and commit either murder in your head. You've done it. Wish I could kill that guy. Might be just a blip in traffic. But it goes through and it sometimes stays far too long. I love... uh, The times that I go on social media, which are not often. If you've tried to find me on Facebook, I want to apologize right now. I just don't hang out there. Here's why. I get mad when I go on social media. (laughs) Hopefully it's a righteous anger. But you know what I get mad at most? I get mad at my Christian brothers and sisters who with three posts will glorify God, put a picture of a sunrise with a verse. Thanks for doing those. Very encouraging, right? And then on the next post, say something to the effect of, I hate Joe Biden. Look at me you do not hate Joe Biden if you call yourself a Christian you do not hate that is not what you do vote how you want feel how you want about policies but keep hate in hell where it belongs okay (laughs) just for fun let's practice everybody ready I'll start easy, right? I love Red Sox fans. Say that with me. Uh, See? God? Bring the fire down, just bring it. (laughs) All seriousness, everybody in here, whether you are one or not, I want you to say this with me, because it's right. I love Democrats, say it with me. I love Democrats. Turnabout's fair play. Ready, say this with me. I love Republicans. Mean it when you say it. Because <laughs> that's what God has called us to. I don't want to pound this nail too long, but it, it, it fries me to no end that we would confuse the world as to who Christ is, as to who Christians are meant to be by fomenting and promoting this sloppy. And listen, can we all be honest? The keyboard has made us sloppy. Is it really over? You're too quick. All right, uh, she snuck up behind me. Do you see that? It's like like an award show. They start playing the music. I love Pastor Mark. (laughs) All right, you're going to be playing a while. Anyway, all right. Uh, I can't remember what I said. All right. Let me get to the rest of this. In James chapter 1, it says this, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. And slow to what? That's some great advice. That, those are words to live by. And he tells you why. In the next verse, it says this: "For the anger of man, the unrighteous, unfiltered anger of man, will never." Let me throw that in there. That's my words. Will never produce the righteousness of God. So, how do we keep anger from bringing death to us? Well, we start with what Jesus says here. We start by clearing the slate of past offenses. Look at it says in verse twenty-three. So if you're offering a gift at the altar and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. This is huge in the Hebrew culture because we hear it in terms of us going to church in our culture. But in the Hebrew culture, if you were bringing an offering to the altar, the altar was in Jerusalem. You might live way up in Galilee, and so you've come maybe for this yearly feast, and, and you've made all of this effort to journey to Jerusalem. You've gone through the, the painstaking process of becoming ceremonial and clean, uh, you know, uh, uh, having a, 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 an offering you know, uh, purchased there at the gates of the temple. Uh, you've come inside and gone through three sets of courts to finally get to the priest who's going to lay this offering that you have brought and given all. Of this time and effort to and Jesus says hey if you're there if you've gone to all that effort to worship God but you have forgotten to seek forgiveness from the person you got angry to or angry at leave it go through that whole process again if you have to but go and make things right the Bible has littered through it all of these verses that basically tell us that if we aren't right with each other it's, it's hard for us to be right with God. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 9, it tells us that if, if we say we're in the light and we hate our brothers, we're still in the darkness. Jesus is going to teach us to pray here in just a, a chapter or so, and he's going to end his prayer by saying this, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. For if you forgive others, their trespasses, uh, uh, their, your heavenly Father will what? He'll forgive you. But, but if you do not forgive others neither will your father forgive your trespasses we do not have time to parse out just the the magnitude of that statement but what it's saying is is basically what Jesus is saying here in the Sermon on the Mount hey man worshiping God if you're not right with each other is hindered there's something standing in the way oh that we would be a church That halfway through, we're we're singing the songs as we're getting going. You remember that you aren't right with someone at work, someone at home. You just get up and go and make that right. Then come sing your songs. Because that's what Jesus commands you. It's that important. Anger, unresolved, unrequited, unforgiven, unconfessed anger is as bad as murder. Knock it off. Clean the slate. Come on, you're mad at someone right now. So you are like, no, I'm fine. Search me. Oh God. Know my heart. Show me if there's any wicked way. in me. it could be someone from child. It could be someone from your family. Thanksgiving's coming. You're going to see them. Wouldn't it be great if you've been harboring this anger in your heart? And just making nice for you to finally say, hey, listen, we don't have to do anything here. It's all about me. I was wrong. I confess my anger. If we want to talk about the things that made me angry, we can can do that. But even if we don't, I want to be free of this anger that is holding me back in life. Have that conversation today. The second thing is this. We need to first of all clean the slate. Then we need to keep short accounts moving forward. We need to get in the discipline of 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 erasing the anger that can so easily sneak into our hearts he, he tells a story here about uh, debtor's prison he says come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you'd be put in prison truly i say to you you will never get out until you've paid the last penny this has, uh you know been talked about in lots of different commentaries and people have ideas about what jesus was saying here it's pretty simple He's just saying, hey man, if you deal with anger now and confess it now, it's not going to have time to metastasize. Does everybody get that word? It's just going to get worse and worse and worse. The debt is going to grow and grow and grow. It's going to be more difficult and more difficult and more difficult for you to walk that back the longer you allow it to stay in your life. I found that to be true. The impact, the effects, of festering anger in my life have set back relationships in ways that they could have and should have never been set back it's 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 held on to me in ways that it could have and should have never held on to me and when I finally confess it you know what when I finally come clean with the anger in my heart and work through that with whoever I'm angry at I always feel better and the second thing I feel is remorse why didn't I do this sooner this was so dumb Everybody gets that that spite and that wrath that you feel towards that person is a poison that you've concocted for them and you drink yourself over and over and over again. It is ruining your life. And listen, it's, it's, it's like an open cup of coffee in a moving car. My, life, my beautiful bride loves to bring her coffee in my car and I am on pins and needles the whole time. Because here's the deal, I don't know when I'm gonna stop and that coffee's gonna become a part of my upholstery, right? That's how anger works in your life. It's an open cup of coffee, people. And all it takes is one little provocation, one little jolt, and all of a sudden your anger spills out. Not in the person's or the relationship with the person that you're angry at. In the relation to the person who's driving the car that day. And all of a sudden your anger's spilling all over that relationship. And it just keeps pouring out and pouring out. The deal is no anger. Keep it out of your life. Don't let it take a foothold in you. That's where the devil starts playing around in your world. You need to be free of your anger. Instead of thinking about that person that you're angry with and saying in your heart, man, I wish I could give that guy a piece of my mind. Anybody ever said that? I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Anybody ever rehearsed that yelling, that, that talking to If I ever get the chance to talk to my father about this stuff for real, I'm going to unleash. If I get the chance to say to my wife, what's really gone on in here for the whole duration of our marriage, here it comes. If I could just give that person a piece of my mind. You know what God is saying to you? Hey, back off. I forgave you your sin. I have every right to be angry at you. I love you. By my grace and through my mercy and with my love, you can love that person. So don't go to them and say, I want to give you a piece of my mind. Go to them and be a peacemaker. Go to them and say, I want you to have peace. I want you to have peace of mind. I want this to be better. All right, I had more. But we've been playing for a while. All right, here we go. Who are you mad at? Who are you angry with? Maybe it's God, maybe you feel like he's got, he's dropped the ball in your life and you're angry at him. Confess that one super fast. Because he loves you, he's for you, he's in this, whatever it is that you're in. And he's gonna see you through. Don't be, don't waste your time being mad at him. But maybe it's not God, maybe it's somebody else. You've been hurt. And listen, when I talk about anger, I'm not saying that you weren't legitimately harmed. That there aren't things in your life that are legitimately, uh, you know, anger inducing that there hasn't been unrighteousness in your life. Here's what I'm saying though. You cannot compound that error, that mistake, that sin with your anger. Be free of it. The anger of man will never bring about the righteousness of God. I'm going to pray for you right now. Will you stand with me? God, we stand before you a people, every one of us, uh, who is loved by you. There's some in here don't know you yet, and I pray that today, if they haven't met you yet, haven't put their faith in Jesus Christ, that they'd come and see me in the corner, talk to someone else in our prayer room or in our foyer as they leave, and, 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 and begin a life with you uh, so that your love for them can be complete and they can become a part of your, your family with us, so many of us in here. But many of us have already trusted you and 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 given our lives to you through Jesus and faith in him but we are so prone to just getting mad we live in an angry world uh, where people are just sloppy with the emotion of anger and you've called us to something better you've called us um, to not just settle for the fact that we're not out there killing anybody but to drill down deeper into the things that can plague our souls and control our hearts so god i'm praying a blanket prayer over everybody in here that you would free us from the bondage that anger can bring uh, that if if we have people that we're angry with uh, today that we would go to them whoever they are even now that they would sit before they leave this room that they text that person and say i need to talk that they would start the process so that they can be free from the the, the the murderous, death, deadly effects of anger. I pray that as we leave here, we would be, uh, you know, keepers of short accounts. That if if anger springs up in us, in our marriages, in our families with our kids as parents, or with our parents as kids, in our in our you know schools and in our jobs, if anger comes, God help us uh, to nip it in the bud, to keep it from you know uh, taking root and bearing fruit. God, give us freedom from anger and its effects i pray and i pray it all in jesus name amen All right, i think i looked at my notes twice there i hope i said what i was supposed to god bless you love you don't worry be happy and don't be angry all right go do your work as god would have you